How do you do? The Box Office Pulp Board feels it would be a little unkind to present this podcast without just a word of friendly warning. We're about to unfold a cinematic commentary track, made by a group of men who sought to create a podcast after their own ravings, without reckoning upon God. It is one of the strangest tales ever told. It deals with three great mysteries of the internet, analysis, observation, and deconstruction. I think it will thrill you. It may shock you. It might even horrify you. So if any of you feel you'd not care to subject your nerves to such a strain, now's your chance to... Well, we've warned you. Now, to pause and refresh. For your convenience, we have an attractive refreshment stand in the lobby, with buttered popcorn, golden good and hot from the popper, your favorite candies, wholesome and rich, so delicious Dr. Pepper, so bright and bracing, with a tang and tingle unmatched by any other beverage. Our dwarves are now in Dr. Pepper at our beverage stand right now. And then return to fully appreciate to this bump and a tragedy. You're not going to kill me. You need me. You need to transfer your soul into my body. Wrong again, wimp. I got some fresh meat lined up and I'm not going to let you spoil it. Not this time. Tyler. Yeah. Just think, Chucky's gonna be a bro. <laughs> the following movie is rated R. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Box Office Pulp, your one-stop podcast for movies, madness, moxie, and tonight we return to the miniature murder scene. That's right, after... Uh, something like 13 years, we finally come back around to record a commentary track for Child's Play 3. I'm your host, Cody. Joining me today for this bop in a movie are my co-host, Mike. Say hello, Mike. I, too, am obsessed with hair. And Jamie. It says a lot that the only special feature on my DVD of Child's Play 3 is a recommendations page that reminds you that other Chucky movies exist. <laughs> I think my only special feature was subtitles. <laughs> Man, I miss Child's Play 2. I said bop in a movie. Mike, you, you've been making the case this could be more of a bop in a tragedy. I think it should be a bop in a tragedy, honestly. I, I, I feel like, Jamie, what, what, what's your vote here? Oh, definitely thumbs down. Or thumbs up on that thumbs down, I should say. <laughs> Way to make that very confusing. I, uh, are you, I'm an oracle. you? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what's your opinion? I'll never tell. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is absolutely a tragedy don mancini himself would probably say so that is it's, true yeah yeah my least favorite of the child's play movies um so anyways with that wonderful <laughs> pep talk folks <laughs> gee did wow. you just hard cut your own introduction oh boy this is gonna be a fun one uh let's let's talk about drinks <laughs> Cody's drunk drink. already out of his shoes i wish i wish I do have two beers stowed away in my shoes for later. <laughs> I just can we get that on a shirt? I have two beers stowed away in my shoes. Like Cody's a traveling hobo, man. <laughs> Cody Look, is a, a traveling, traveling hobo. A traveling hobo could not afford Snow Pilot Pistachio Nut Brown Ale. It's too good. It's too pure. Fuck pistachios. Hey, this beer is amazing. Uh, if anyone is anywhere close to a Point Brewery location, like if you can get Point Beer, look for it. It's it's probably gone already because this is very much a winter beer and we're already at the end of January, but it's good. 
Can we get paid for this? No. Uh, I probably have to pay them. <laughs> Anyways, the official drink of the night, Tahiti coffee. So what you're going to need is two ounces of lime juice, two ounces of orange juice, one ounce simple syrup, one ounce passion fruit puree, two ounces of guava puree, uh, two ounces of cold brew, like whatever one, go crazy. If you're a coffee person, you probably have your preferences. Uh, three ounces of honey syrup. And uh, to make that, what you're going to do is mix three parts honey to one part hot water by weight. Mix those two together, shake and stir until that mixture is blended totally. Uh, and then 16 ounces of ice. So once you have all your ingredients and you've made your honey syrup, you're going to mix that in with, uh, well, I already said the 16 ounces of ice. I'm getting backed up here. You're going to mix that in a blender. You're going to want to get a nice slushy blend. Throw that into a tiki glass. Uh, garnish, if you want, with like some orchids and grated coffee. I use nutmeg because coffee is terrible. And voila. Now, if you were paying attention to the list of ingredients there, you might notice there's something off. This this is a pause for one of you guys, hopefully, who's paying attention to tell me what was... Uh, Mike was the murderer. What? Correct. Mike was the murderer. No, uh, this drink actually contains zero amounts of booze. D heresy. Exactly. I want to do a dry drink because I still think it's kind of clever to do a film called Child's Play with a drink that's suitable for children. But not really because it's got coffee. But also, since this is my least favorite entry in the Child's Play franchise, I've decided to pick a drink profile I should love, a tiki drink with lots of sugar, and mix it with something I hate, which is coffee. <laughs> so we're going to find out what wins out here. I'm going to take my first sip of this very sugary coffee drink. And, uh... Oh, boy. I am not excited. Oh, wow. If you were to get rid of the coffee, this would be delicious. Hoisted <laughs> in my own tar. Oh, I also made a mistake. The only honey I had was uh, jalapeno honey. So this is now like a spicy, sweet coffee drink. And it is a weird assault of flavors. My if you like coffee, this is probably delicious. Make this without spicy honey. Just regular honey, and this is probably very good. Mike, can all of our commentaries be bops and tragedies now? Well, maybe by the end of this, I'm going to, I'm going to like coffee. I don't, uh, this was not even just regular coffee. Like the only one they had at Trader Joe's was like an espresso coffee, like a nitro espresso coffee. So that was, that's not a good choice. I have made a monster. I don't know what to describe this as. W would you say it's the Charles Lee Ray of, of, of drinks? It is Lakeside strangling my appetite. Well, at least we got a good joke out of it. Thank you. All right. Well, thank God I have those pistachio beers. <laughs> Senates no one has ever said. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, do you want to do the honors and count us down? Oh, are you done? I've been in my happy place. Sorry. No, I'm actually not. I got to describe how commentaries work just in case people are doing this for the first time. Like they start okay. on Child's Play 3 and ignore Child's Play 1 and 2. So what we're going to do is watch Child's Play 3 and talk over it like a commentary. If folks at home want to join us, we're going to give you the cue, start the movie, start talking over it. You can watch us over the film or not. It's really your choice. You're, you're, you're a strong, independent person. You can live the way you want. Yeah, and we're paused right before the Universal logo, FYI. Yeah. All right. Now do you want to count us down, Mike? One. Two. Three. All right, let's get some movie facts out of the way here. This film was directed by Jack Bender. You probably think of 
Bender, not as a horror guy, but as a TV guy. He did 38 episodes of Lost, including the finale. So that's basically him. Uh, he also did a couple episodes of The Sopranos, Judging Amy, uh, Felicity, Alias, Under the Dome, and two episodes from season six of Game of Thrones. Yep. Two good ones, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they're fine. Uh, okay, then. I forgot it's you. I'm trying to remember which one through are. I have a, he did I um, the, the Door and uh, Blood of My Blood. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Uh, screenplay here, Don Mancini. No surprise. For our cast, we get a couple of changes. Uh, Justin Whalen is taking the role of Andy Barkley this time, mostly because this film is set eight years in the future from our previous entry, so they had to age Andy up quite a bit. This is technically a sci-fi film, and yes, that the person playing Andy is Jimmy Olsen. Uh, also, quick <laughs> aside, all the plastic here looks delicious, doesn't it? Yeah, it's got like a cotton candy almost. Yeah, quality. it reminds me of the cotton candy from Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Yeah. All right, does it seem very weird to you that after the incident from the previous film, they just uh, never went back into this factory? Like, they just left it alone for eight years. They didn't clean up any of the stuff from last time. They just <laughs> left this weird, horrible, melted Chucky figure around. There's a lot of things about done. this that confuse me. To say nothing that they did film an ending that would set up Chucky's resurrection without all this, but... They had that footage. It's such a weird start. Like, they're cleaning up the place, but they're also starting production at the same time. I don't... I don't get it. They have no but chill. They're say, evil. <laughs> this credit sequence, I do like. I like the almost uh, vertigo swirl we have here of the blood going into the fleshy plastic oh it becomes a Looney Tunes logo for five seconds too which is yeah. a nice really touch I like how ridiculous the logo is it's my favorite part <laughs> Don, I met Don Mancini was so happy to finally get blood mixing with plastic but better than that I really enjoy this reverse motion of Chucky being formed out of this blood wax mixture it's very uh, Halloween 2018 you know with, like the reverse rotting pumpkin Unusual because this isn't like a reboot of Chucky where they have to be like, we're rewinding time and going back to when it was good. This is just like, hey, there's another one. But it still looks neat. I think you just summed up Child's Play 3 in a nutshell. Hey, there's another one. <laughs> Look, these made money. We have more coming. Uh, okay, back, back into some of our fun facts about the movie. We mentioned Justin Whalen. Uh, and Superman, but more importantly, I think we need to remember him in Dungeons and Dragons from 2000. <laughs> Snails, no! Exactly. I think we all fondly remember Dungeons and Dragons, right? No? No, you made Thorberch. You made, like, a kind of goth chick listening to this right now so happy. <laughs> Good. Obviously, Brad Dourif returns as the voice of Chucky. He's more or less the franchise, so it'd be weird if he wasn't here. Are you ever uh, annoyed you... that his credit is the voice of Chucky? I did, it just seems I did pointless. Read, um, Wikipedia, I think they mentioned that, you know, he was the voice and someone else was the puppeteer, which I guess makes sense. because And there is someone, I guess, in a costume now and again, but still, it's weird. Yeah. <laughs> We've seen him hopping around at doll size during their rehearsal. Oh, screaming baby Chucky. I love screaming Chucky so much because it's my favorite thing about Chucky is this him screaming at the top of his lungs in pain. 
hey, look, everyone, it's exposition. Just in case you, you know, weren't around for the first two movies. That came out nine months earlier. <laughs> also, remember everyone in this boardroom why our company's been in dire straits for eight years? Let's go over the facts. Is this the boardroom from the beginning of Aliens? <laughs> it's just a weird, this is just a weird clunky recap. And just the idea in my mind that eight years, like let's say Tickle Me Elmo learned how to stab kids and they discontinued Tickle Me Elmo. Do you think they'd wait eight years and be like, we got to bring it back? Well, he learned eight how years. to do something with kids. We know that. It's an, eight years is an eternity in terms of like kids' toys. That's a whole generation of kids who have grown up without good guy dolls. They don't care about them. They don't want them anymore. I can't See, imagine I don't any... Think this take, I don't think this takes place that far in the future. I think this is only like a good month. And he just had like that big of a growth spurt. Ah. Like he's a monster. I don't think we actually get a time card saying like eight years. Do we? No, they mentioned uh, it was eight years ago in their exposition dump. Yeah, my brain just turns off for that part. And I just love how this assistant's still in, like, his same role. <laughs> and does and refuses oh. to bring up, like, hey, you know, um, Chucky kidnapped me briefly. <laughs> that was the thing I went through. See, I want to see him come back later as, like, a... Uh, like a... I forget who it was. The, oh, yeah, the fucking scientist from Jurassic Park. <laughs> Coming back in Jurassic World as, like, the overarching villain. <laughs> Man, it, it's been a horror, Wesley, all along, pulling the strings. The, the only good thing I can say about this boardroom is it's nice to have horror films just ragging on corporate politics. Like, the idea of, you know, children are just little consumers for us to exploit that's nice. I, I like that angry point of view. The disdain that the child's play movies, especially the early ones, have towards big business is very nice. I can I can identify with that. That said, why is the box gotten so large for <laughs> good guy dolls, and why are they exactly the same as like the old days? Why did they right. reuse the plastic? It's. We've made zero changes to this doll. We're just going to make this a nostalgia deal, I guess. I, I mean, you can't say that's not accurate. I mean, we did end up with the NES and SNES classics. Those sold great. So maybe maybe bringing back to gigantic be Child's Play dolls 10 years after the fact would be what kids want. To be fair, those were not Super Nintendos that were, like, found in a abandoned factory <laughs> and rolled off the assembly line. Said, when we were love... testing out our shrink ray, we had all this extra stock, and now you have small Nintendos. <laughs> As I love the executive saying, this is the good guy doll of the 90s. <laughs> Considering this movie takes place in 1998. <laughs> <laughs> this is the doll that's going to kill the decade. <laughs> and this came out, what, 91? So two came 91. out in, ni in 1990. Yeah, there was there was literally a nine month gap between films in theater, which is so technically we've already seen the Chucky doll of the nineties. Yeah, it was the doll fucking Chucky buried in the backyard? <laughs> Tommy, that's it, fucking Tommy. How did he get out of that box without it, with keeping it pristine? Anyway, I don't it's, mean to shit all over the movie. It's, it's I Chicago, actually quite but... like the third act up until a certain point, but. And there's ideas in here I really like. Like, it's there interesting are. to see Mancini strapped to, like, 
a fucking rocket ship to doom with this movie, but still have it ending to like throw something on the screen that's interesting in some way. Well, that's the fucked up thing about Child's Play 3. Like, we'll get into this more later, but you see so many seeds of the writer Mancini is going to become later sprouted in this movie, but because it's this production, none of those seeds germinate into anything. Like, there's just ideas thrown at the wall. If I can focus on a positive for a second, let me just say how much I would love to live in a swanky 90s bar overlooking a city high-rise. <laughs> this is this is very much like a goddamn Batman Returns Max Shrek dream. I and never... I would I would live it. I can never figure out if this is his apartment or just the most luxurious office ever. Same thing. <sighs> it, it, it's uh, Boss Grissom's place from Batman, where he lived there and did business at the same time. That's it. This man is so much his job. His job is where he lives. His job is everything. That, that's why he was being such a dick to his assistant earlier. It's like, no, don't live my life, Wesley. Go be with your wife. Don't make my mistakes! And then this just transforms into a Christmas carol with Chucky. <laughs> He's technically the ghost of Christmas past in this situation. This dude's life is so sad. This is very much like my life, but less rich. Uh, Chucky's scampering. Oh boy, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna try and get in more Chucky facts before the next murder. Uh, the music this time is by Corey Lirios and John DeAndre. Uh... Corey did the music for the animated Mummy TV show, so that's fun. And uh, also apparently contributed part of the score for Dracula 80 1972. Or at least was in a band that was in that movie. Whatever you want to call it. The cinematography this time is by John Linetti. Now, you know his work, even if you don't know his name. This was his first major motion picture as a DP, but he went on to film Hot Shots Part 2, The Mask, Mortal Kombat, and went on to direct Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Uh, he was DP for Joe Dirt, The Scorpion King, Dead Silence, Piranha 3DD, uh, both uh, Insidious Chapter 1 and 2, and The Conjuring. Which is a weird turn of career. Like, the start of it is, like, the weird 90s action comedy kind of things, and then it just transforms into horror movies for the last half of the career. But whatever pays the bills. I like to think that James Wan watched Mortal Kombat and went, I need that guy. That's the man for me. I want the man that gave us the sky raining ninjas. Ah, <laughs> oh, I fucked up with marbles. No, hijinks gone awry. Why that is would Chucky just trolling this guy? <laughs> That's kind of his thing. He likes to fuck around. Well, look at it from Chucky's point of view. This is... Roy Batty meeting Terrell. <laughs> I want life, father slash fucker moment. I want more life! Also, I love how, for a split second, you think that Chucky has control over other toys now, and this is going to be a really interesting movie. That's his upgrade. I'm the toy master. Oh, Instead, it's just a, re it's just just a horror remake of toys. <laughs> I'd watch that. I'm surprised we haven't gotten that. <laughs> I also love Chucky as a Bond villain in that office chair. A business Chucky? Evil business Chucky. Like, that's a good joke. That's a legitimately pretty funny joke. 
I mean, this movie is pretty funny, all in all. There, there's a lot of jokes. I don't think all the jokes land. I think that joke of Chucky being in the chair lands. That makes me laugh. It's very weird. There's suddenly two Chucky's. Like, why was he presented with one before if he had one? Like, is this just the classic and the new side by side? So once again, Chucky just screaming for no reason. <laughs> That's a signature move. Let's well, so uh, talk okay, about how so this... fucking freaky this doll is. This animatronic. Oh. God, it gets worse at the end when he's missing half his face. Uh, okay, so this one was edited by Edward. Uh, God, I'm gonna learn how to pronounce your name, buddy. One of these times, Worshipkala or Shilka. I should know this because he edited one and two, uh, and I also screwed up the pronunciation those times. I'm a bad person. Uh, he worked together with Scott Wallace this time. The movie was released August 30th, 1991. As we mentioned before, nine months after the previous entry hit theaters, which is bananas. Uh, the budget was $13 million, which is essentially identical to the budget of Child's Play 2. Uh, the box office this time was $20.5 million. So the first film made $44 million, the second one made $35.8 million, and then this one only made $20.5 million. So pretty noticeable decline over that period. Kind of explains why we didn't get another Child's Play for several years after this. And those have been movie facts. Damn it, I missed him murdering a man with a yo-yo. <laughs> the only time Chucky, I think, strangles somebody. <laughs> Which is weird, because he's a strangler. But also a petty thief. It's His, his murderous rampage he, is always very confusing. He needed to steal to afford his habit of strangling rich Rope people. Rope costs money. <laughs> the good stuff, yes. You think he was maybe concerned that now that he's entered the monster world, he didn't want to encroach on the Wolfman's territory? <laughs> is it is it a little weird? Maybe it's not. I was going to say, is it weird that this company has kept tab on Andy's for eight, Andy for eight years and knows exactly where he currently is, even though I'm sure his lawsuit's over? And I thought, They're no, evil. Facebook would keep... Yeah. Every big company would keep all that information on me. I'm sure they know, like, the last time I had tacos. So I'm pretty sure, yeah. When was the last time you had tacos? Uh, you know, it's actually been a long time. Burritos? Oh, like, four days ago. But a taco, it's been a while. You know, honestly, if I can make a side way here. Um, once you upgrade to burritos, is there any reason to go back to tacos? Yes. I, I haven't seen the they're point. Too, they're, sure they're very different. Fan. They're very different. I don't know. I feel like I just roll up my tacos. Unless you're getting like hard shell tacos. I just roll up my tacos and I'm like, oh, this is a mini sad burrito. Mini <laughs> sad burrito. I, I guess it all just story. comes down to whether or not you want beans. Oh, I definitely want beans. I want black. I want pinto. I want whatever beans they can give can me. Can we not go movie. into a bean conversation? We'll be here all night. <sighs> Fair enough. I love Andy's 90, 90s dangerous kid haircut so much. <laughs> so I don't know my Bible, but I'm pretty sure that wasn't the line. Am I, am uh, I missing a very obvious joke here? Sorry, the I was enraptured in the film for a second. 
Yeah, sure you were. So the Military Academy is an interesting choice for a child's play film. It's a little bit of a bummer for me because I loved having the first one identify so much with Chicago as the environment for the film. The second one didn't make nearly as much use of Chicago, even though a lot of it takes place in like warehouse districts. So it's it's just odd in my mind they would jump to the Military Academy for a third one and completely abandon really the setting for the first two. But they weren't using it that much in two, so I guess I understand. They can probably introduce a lot of new concepts and ideas by changing location and keep things fresh and exciting. And, I don't know, thinking about it, Military Academy makes some amount of sense for a trajectory for Andy. In the first one, he's dealing with a single mom struggling to raise him. In the second one, it's the foster system struggling to raise him. What do you do after you've already blown past those two parents? Uh, the military. The military will try and raise him, and they will also fail. So I guess you could use that as leverage to say, sure, this is a new, exciting, logical third entry in this franchise. Still feels like a bit of a step, but, you know, whatever. I can I can justify it mentally. I think the problem is all the dots that you would need, like, connected for that to really flow thematically in the way I imagine Mancini would have wanted, just they're just out there. It kind of feels like you're watching the first draft to a really good Child's Play sequel. <laughs> Which, I mean, might be the case. How long do you think he had to write this script? Like, they give him, like, three days and be like, well, it's due tomorrow, we have to film. I don't think it was much more than that, because I don't remember he had, uh, I believe he had, like, two different projects going on at the same time. With I, with this movie coming out, what less than a year later, I can't imagine the like pre-production time was that much. Yeah, I mean, when we say nine months, we don't mean like he had nine months to write, film, and edit it. Like it came out nine <laughs> months after two. That's one of the shortest turnarounds I can think of outside of you know, like Japanese samurai movies in the sixties. Where they pump out like four in a year. That's like a week of writing time. So we should stress that, I think. For the amount of time they had to make this, it's honestly impressive they got together as much as they did. I would, honest, if it were me, I would half-ass every single thing about this movie if I had, you know, three weeks to throw together a pitch and, you know, get it, <laughs> get it done. It would not be a good film. Oh, yeah. I mean, the middle of this movie is fairly boring, but it has structure, which you wouldn't expect, given the circumstances. Yeah, it's still, at the end of the day, a Chucky movie. Which, weird enough to say, does mean something about quality. <laughs> like, compared to some of the, like, direct-to-VHS slasher fare that was coming out around the the same time, like, this could have went off the rails much, much more. They also didn't really have money. So a lot yeah, of stuff Mancini could have thrown in, they just couldn't. So that's why there's so many half-baked ideas. Like, multiple Chuckies are supposed to be in this movie. and when Which makes Chuckies... so much sense with that opening, when you see all the blood yeah. mixing. The first yeah. thing I thought the first time I saw the movie is, oh, we're going to have a bunch of Chuckies, an army of them. And then you find it was just one, and you go, well, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. 
I like the idea of Charles Lee Ray having horcruxes. <laughs> you must kill all of these Chuckies to release my soul. He just pulls a Mysterio fight. Which one is the real Chucky? <laughs> all and of would, them. And it would have made sense at the military school. Like, then you'd had, like, the kids in a war with Chuckies. That would have actually, yeah, probably worked pretty good with the concept. Frustrating. Very frustrating. I do want to mention this because it, it kind of tickled my fancy. Uh, when Mancini was describing his inspirations for this, Mikey, he posted a video clip to a Crave series talking about the Chucky files. Mancini mentioned that it was the Omen 2 that he might have taken some inspiration by. It's that and taps. <laughs> I'm just imagining someone sitting down watching Omen 2 and like, yep, yeah, sure, fuck it. I can work with that. <laughs> Antichrist, Andy, same thing. The Military Academy makes so much more sense for an Omen film. Damien's eventually going to have to rule the world. It, it makes some amount of sense you'd have military experience or background. This one, eh. I justified it, but it, it was a bit of a stretch for me. It didn't pop into my head immediately. It is interesting how, though, both... Both films do the military academy for a few similar reasons which is kind of like the macho masculinity particularly like toxic masculinity thing it plays differently towards damien and it doesn't really come to fruition here for andy but it's interesting that military academy represents the same thing in both movies so for that i can see the parallels drawn plus he had the plot the movie in like a day so i'm sure he was just like i like omen too that's a cheap location <laughs> go to a real military academy i just get a little frustrated every time there's a movie in like a basic training type situation play for comedy you always end up with the same kind of stock characters yeah and a lot of the same lines too it's like someone once wrote a script and everyone else went no we'll just take those lines they're fine So that's disappointing. There's not a lot of originality, I think, in this scenario. But also not many movies that even use it. It's it's just a strange situation where you think, okay, sure, I can name maybe four other movies in this same plot setup. They should all be fairly distinct, right? Oh, it's like how there's just one prison movie over and over <laughs> and over. <laughs> The thing that gets me with the military academy setting is, at least to me, it seems like the movie forgets that it takes place in a military academy outside of the war game stuff and uh, Act 3. Like, for the most part, this could have just taken place at a boarding school. It will, it yeah, pretty much the same it's outlook. fucked up when you realize that the entire movie takes place over the course of two days. So Annie doesn't get acclimated to the military school at all. No. The the plot really starts running, and you realize like you didn't actually get time to get acquainted with a lot of these characters. They maybe get a scene or two together. So they can't be deeply sketched. You don't get much time to appreciate them. Or the situation. I, I understand. It's Child's Play 3. You're not going to get a lot of nuance. But it still is frustrating just the way it goes about it. Well, all the characters in the movie are more or less filmed from the character idea sheet and not an actual script. 
Like, De Silva just disappears from the movie for a while. And this small boy, why is this small boy getting mixed in with all these other military men? This 11-year-old, who I believe is supposed to be, like, eight? Yeah, I think he... Even that, like, a little bit too young for the... A bit too uh, old for the performance they're going for. Yeah. It's odd because he's the only one like this. He's the only, like, 11-year-old. All the other characters seem very old in comparison. Yeah, they're supposed to be, like, a whole... They should be younger. Yeah. And they're supposed to be, like, a whole children's wing of the school, but he's just the only one we get to see. (laughs) Here, have this giant box. Goodbye, child. Just giving the most little boy performance (laughs) in the world. Like, he's just missing the propeller hat. (laughs) But he's, like, a year away from smoking. I I feel like if this had had a lot more time to cook, like they would they could have had a lot of potential just actually showing us like a semester at this military academy with like a side plot of Chucky trying to reach Andy instead of just mailing himself there. Uh, by the way, who wrapped him? That's why I want to know. <laughs> who wrapped him, addressed him and mailed him? Um uh... <laughs> It's best not to think about it. Nope, just ignore that. Plus, this is frustrating to me, too, because in the first two movies, Andy is directly in danger. Like, Chucky is solely after him. He wants to take his soul. This movie goes, well, we'll introduce a new character who he's after for the soul. But the character isn't really a character. They just become kind of like a MacGuffin for Andy to protect. And yeah. Chucky the child is after. insane. Yeah, the, the, the kid is fucking crazy and andy being thrown into the protector like adult protector role is really interesting for the, like the end of his arc but even tyler's not really even in the movie very much so no yeah there's no bond between those two characters you don't it's really get to see that actually play out it's actually a pretty great introduction to tyler where he and andy meet on the bus to the academy that's uh that was left on the cutting room floor. I think would have like added a lot to this. Yeah. There's not a I mean, lot of small character beats that were just completely excised that randomly aired in the uh on the USA network yes. airings of this movie. So hey, I like there's, how there's like thirty whole seconds of solid blood they gotta fill in with character stuff on the T V version. <laughs> but, but yeah, like little bits like that between Tyler and Andy did would go a long way in just showing, like, okay, at least they they know each other and are slightly bonded. Right. Going back to what you said, though, Mike, this movie's supposed to take place over two days when Andy is first getting to this military academy. So he doesn't even know what he's about in this place yet, let alone who these other characters are and what they mean to him. Yeah. He takes one class. Oh, it's He goes to the shooting range. Like, it's almost golden age Hollywood screenwriting 101. I meet girl. I protect child. Movie. Alright, so this is a very simple trick, but I do appreciate that the edits match up with the white flashes they're throwing in for the muzzle shots. (laughs) Like, it's very basic, and it's kind of a dumb thing to even point out, but I like that. It's a nice way to cut between pieces. It's a simple, nice little trick. Also, this is a weird moment they show that Andy sucks at shooting and at the end of the film spoilers he has to get better at shooting to save the day 
which is strange because we have this one beat where he's being taught how to shoot, and it feels like it should be an ongoing situation for him that he has to practice several times, like a call and return. But no, it's, it's only the, the same. scene in the end. Once again, so, we're just seeing like the idea sheet for the movie filmed. Exactly. Yeah, it's. <laughs> The outline, the skeleton is there for actual character development and good structure, but they just forgot the meat. Also, I love, I know we passed the haircut scene a while ago. I love Andy's uh, take on the jarhead look. (laughs) How do I be a part of the military, but also have that furlong energy? Yeah, he's super furlong. Also, going into like stuff Mancini's going for, you know, being taught how to shoot is supposed to be, you know, in in um, American parlance or, you know, classical parlance, very, like, becoming a man thing. Like, you're you're taught how to shoot and kill and blah, 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 and hunt. And Andy's being shown by a girl. Like, it's a really genius, like, kind of inversion yeah. to clearly see what Mancini's going for, but nothing's really there. Cause well, we had the previous thing, too, where... Yeah, we had the previous scene, too, where she's, like, so tough. She can just do the push-ups and, you know, tell people off like it's no big thing. She can do one-handed push-ups. Like, the making for an interesting, really tough character is there. Oh, yeah. It also feels like she disappears for a giant portion of this movie. Oh, she just she's just gone. Also, I would honestly be more interested in following her than Andy at this point. Yeah. yeah. We Andy doesn't get anything to do. There's not a lot of personality, unfortunately, from Andy. And when we saw him in the previous two films, he was just a little kid. There's been so much time where he supposedly develops between these movies, you wouldn't you wouldn't even think of him as the same character as, you know, an eight-year-old or whatever he was in Child's Play 2. Yeah, it's weird. Like, you have the whole plot of Andy assuming a protector role, but he doesn't do a whole lot of protecting. He's just concerned in a lot of scenes. Yeah, I... Well, it's like he knows Tyler and Chucky are close, but then he just still kind of goes about his business. Because if he puts a stop to it now, the movie ends. So he has to find out and then... Almost like a weird, like, uh, meet-cute romance thing. Like, oh, they they, they keep getting pulled apart for some reason. (laughs) And he doesn't able... He's not able to stop Chucky. It's really weird. It would Chucky's be nice. role in this movie is to be moved from room to room for two hours. Yeah. But he just got interrupted from possessing Tyler. So you think, okay, that's got to be his new objective now. He knows if he doesn't possess Tyler, right? Like he'll turn into a living doll after how many hours. So that's got to be the main thing he's rushing after. But they also sneak in a revenge plot where he's after Andy. And he doesn't and always they... try to possess Tyler every time they're hanging out. Yeah. That's the weird thing. Like, there should be an urgency there, but there's not. And, like, he has that scene where he just tells Andy, oh, I've got to kill you before you ruin my plans. Like, couldn't you have just completed your plans before I even had a chance to know you were around? Again, I think movies build a lot of goodwill. If they're good, you don't question so many of these things. And if they're not good, then you can easily nitpick them and every little logic bump is going to bother you and you're going to say something like we're saying now. Yeah, logic only becomes a problem when uh, the story is wall-to-wall broken threads. (laughs) 
So this this kind of bounces off a, a idea I've been trying to define in my head. So in my mind, in movies, there's hard logic and soft logic. So movies kind of fall into one category or the other, although that exists on a spectrum. You know, some films have harder logic than others. The idea here is hard logic would be a function that's closer to what we expect reality is. You know, if you shoot a man, hard logic in a film dictates the police will come and arrest you uh, and you're going to have to get an attorney and the film is going to show all those steps and talk about logical possession. Like what you think would happen if you got involved in a murder? Whereas a movie with soft logic would operate more by movie rules or whatever allow the writer the freedom to kind of explore the fiction with a little more ease. So instead of, you know, you shoot a man, you get arrested and you go to jail. In this version, you shoot the man, but he doesn't die. And then the cops never show up and you spend the rest of the evening in a cat or mouse fight back and forth with this man you tried to murder. So going off this, I think a movie with totally hard logic would be terrible. It'd be like watching your boring ass life on TV. You wouldn't want to do it because you know what hard logic is. You experience hard logic every day. But a movie with soft logic, like what we're getting in this child's play, not great either, because there's not a strong internal logic to dictate why one event causes another or why events have to go the way they go. That's, I think, what we're doing with here. It's logic that's a little too soft, and they're bending the rules a little too much to get to scenes that they want to show you, but you don't actually care how they're connected, which robs you of any emotional attachment to the events of the film. Yeah, which sounds lofty for talking about a child's play, but I still stand by why this one doesn't work in the same way that Child's Play Two does, or Child's Play One, or pretty much any Child's Play or Chucky movie. All right, no, no matter how schlocky something is or how serious something is, every film has to obey the laws of time and space. <laughs> no, uh, Zadar's law. Primer says no. <laughs> I think the idea of hard and soft logic for me, though, gets muddled when films are operating on like logic systems that are outside of our expectations. You know, if the, if the logic system isn't reality logic, then it gets harder to tell if it's soft or hard logic. So think of something like Pan's Labyrinth. Uh, there's one specific scene where people have argued it's bad plotting when Ophelia steals a grape from the table of the pale man. In my mind, it's, it's kind of hard logic because it goes with the idea of fairy tale logic. She's the little girl that has to disobey because that's kind of what her role in the story is. She's the little girl in the fairy tale. It doesn't make real world logic, but it makes fairy tale logic. So in my mind, that is actually playing by the rules. And it strikes some people as wrong, which I can understand why, because it kind of violates our expectations for how the rules should work out. Well, I, I both agree with that and also feel the need to add, like... In real life, people do not follow logic at all. No, we're all beautiful little robots. But I'm also always baffled by uh, the idea that a character doing a stupid thing or not acting entirely within their own best interest is bad writing. I saw that complaint about uncut gems the other day online. Someone was like, it doesn't make sense. Adam Sandler would just keep making bad decisions. But that's, that's the whole movie. He's a gambling addict. Yeah, that's, that's what he lives with. Yeah, it makes sense. Why isn't everyone David Eight? People don't understand that flawed logic is still logic. 
True, yeah. It, it makes sense for the character to do that because they've convinced themselves that's what they should do. Like, it doesn't make sense to you because you're not that character. As long as you can understand, hopefully, the internal logic of the character, then it's fine. Which a lot of people can't make the jump to. It's, it's outside their imagination or empathy. But as long as I'm saying the word logic 500 times, I do have a couple more points I want to get to. And that's the, the soft logic inherent in a giant horror franchise. Because think of something like uh, Friday the 13th. In the first movie, you know, they establish their own rules, whatever. The second movie, they now have to find a way to connect to that first film and its ideas. But they set themselves up in a terrible position because the main killer, spoilers from Friday the 13th Part 1, is dead. So now they have to introduce Jason Voorhees as a grown man because it'd be weird seeing him as a child going around murdering people. And it just becomes muddled because we know he died in the first film and that's why his mother was mad and that's why she was murdering people. But they have to have some sort of interarching soft logic between franchises just to connect these parts and like, you know, like it's fine in, in this universe we're switching from it being like a murder mystery to a straight up slasher. Just, just deal with it. But continuity wise fans are still grumbling about how that really doesn't make sense within the story. You just have to accept it and move on. I just like to think that Friday the 13th takes place in the Twin Peaks universe. <laughs> it doesn't seem like it'd be that far off. And I talk about soft logic like it's a bad thing, but think of it this way. Without that soft logic allowing the screenwriters to take liberties, we wouldn't have the Friday the 13th franchise. Like, because they fucked around and they bent the rules of logic to get us a second one, we have all of those films, which are very fun to watch. So sometimes it's it's a necessary tool to get us to the next location. Now, when it comes to this movie and the franchise logic, most of it is is fairly tight. Like they stick to the idea that there's this voodoo magic that allows Chucky to steal souls, and he's slowly becoming a doll. Like that's pretty constant. They kind of forget about some of the voodoo stuff, I think, in later entries, and then come back onto it in even later entries. But it's never totally forgotten. Which is pretty impressive, because could you say the same thing about, I don't know, A Nightmare on Elm Street all the way through? Oh, no. <laughs> or even right. Friday the 13th, like the zombie logic and the mother logic and Jason. It, the franchise rules for what he is and how he works don't really remain steady at any given point. Well, God, like, Nightmare is the perfect example, because... That became a haunted house movie in its first sequel, <laughs> with Freddy running around killing people in the world. I do feel Mancini kind of wrote himself into a corner with his continuity, though. In the first film, we see it doesn't take very long before Chucky is just becoming the doll. So there's an urgency. In this one, Mike, you mentioned it's like a two-day period. But it still feels like it's not moving as fast as it should for those two days. Like, how, how long does it take Chucky to transform? Shouldn't he be a little more gung-ho about getting the deed done? I feel like the time frame of this movie is so short specifically, so Mancini would not have to deal with that. As a right. Yeah, <laughs> because it's like, it's two days, it feels like a week passes. But it's only two yeah, days. Yeah, it does. Yeah. 
it's just one of those things where over multiple movies, that's a really hard concept to maintain because you always have a ticking clock over your, your series of events. I think every time we see Chucky, he's growing a tiny little heart. Like the Grinch. <laughs> well, that's why you just get heart and not hard on. Oh, oh, yeah. Well, that's why you get just, fuck it, I'm a doll now. <laughs> I like being small. I can fit into places. Hey, small time. I got a wife now. <laughs> Achi machi, it's the bride. We're, of we're making Chucky way more sleazy than he actually is. <laughs> just saying something. <laughs> We're not screaming as much as Chucky, which is a shame, really. That's what I think the viewers want, just us screaming. Well, that, that's Chucky's catchphrase, is screaming at the top of his lungs. <laughs> Everyone has to have one. Do you like scary movies? And... <laughs> I, look how, I love how it just looks like Andy's about to rob this dude for drugs. With the worst pocket knife ever. That'll save me. That would have been interesting, just Andy fucking wigged out on drugs. <laughs> Alright, so... And it makes the good guys go away. In the previous scene, when Chucky came out and went after Andy, he sliced his, like, Achilles tendon, right? That's yep. what it looked like, but Andy has suffered zero ill effects from this. Like, yep. It didn't seem painful, he was just like, ah. He it was a dull knife. Missed... <laughs> it was either a dull knife, or, like, Chucky completely missed this kid. Like, they're... <laughs> it drives me nuts. It was a flesh wound. It wasn't even that. There's no blood. It's actually plastic. He just whacked him. <laughs> They're just, just gonna stung him. for hey, a second. Buddy. Also, you know how people complain about haunted house movies where. Once the people realize the house is haunted, they should just leave. I think that's the problem you get when Andy is no longer the direct target of Chucky. Like you'd make the same complaint, hey, Chucky's contained here, he's a doll. You could leave. Like Chucky's gonna have a real hard time tracking you down, probably. The military life isn't suiting you well. You look like an adult. You could you could just make a new life. <laughs> you can leave the haunted house. Now, just steal that small boy and leave. There you go. If he does that, honestly, it fixes a lot of problems. Chucky will die of old age by the end of the week. Like, do we know what happens if he fully becomes a doll? Like, by the logic of the first two movies? Is he just a living, bleeding doll, or does he die forever? Well, he is supposed to be growing more human with every passing moment, so maybe he'd just be a small, red-haired child. Which would be more terrifying, honestly. Yeah. Chucky meets children of the corn. If I remember, he just gets stuck in that body. Like, if he becomes fully human, he's not able to switch bodies anymore. Yeah. I love how this thing. military bully has a command, like, a secondary officer who's just a slightly smaller version of him. <laughs> All right, to, to further nitpick, and I'm probably the least qualified person to nitpick this, I, I spent a grand total of a week in a basic training uh, program for military explorers in high school. So I, I know probably anything about the military. <laughs> it seems very strange to me in this film that they have 
an actual officer out there who is, is apparently like the age of the kids doing all the commands. Like the age thing makes sense if that's not an officer. I don't know how the ranking system works in the military academy, but if it's anything like military explorers, which is kind of what this program is, you would think that would be like a staff sergeant. Yeah, this is not how Major Payne would have ran this place at all. It's it's just a weird detail. Like, why is that kid a fucking like colonel? What's happening? <laughs> I guess it's kind of like those high school movies where the school bully just runs the school like he's Al Capone. <laughs> like it, it. Sure, why not? Like, there's a whole ranking system, so they could have an asshole who's about the same age as the other kids being in charge because they're not going to put like a real officer out there at midnight just to harass kids. That's what you have subordinates for. But it, it just seems like a weird structure for this whole thing. And then that kid, when he fucks up, like, because his kids fuck up, he should be getting smoked. Like, he should be doing all sorts of fucking PT in the middle of the night because these guys have to do PT. He just gets yelled at by a different dude. There's a weird lack of chain of command here that throws me the fuck off. <laughs> that is the main reason this movie does not work. <laughs> for me, it's frustrating, yes. That and they have paintball guns that shoot real bullets. See, I'm convinced Chucky didn't change out the bullets. He just got them real guns. <laughs> Chucky knows a guy. I like how that's <laughs> even brought to Mancini, and he's just like, yeah, I just, I don't know. Yeah. It yeah, seemed sure like he's... an idea at the time. Mancini seems so tired, and that interview was like from 2014. I'm sure he's gotten a lot of shit for this movie, and to his credit, he took the blame. Like, he didn't try and shunt it on anyone else. He's like, nope, I wrote this very quickly, and I was out of ideas. I think Mancini mostly just doesn't remember this movie. I'm sure this is like all a bad dream to him. And the and the the fucking paint gun stuff. Like it was just done so Chucky could like have the like everybody shoot each other and it's like a horrible bloodbath and shit. And they didn't have the budget to do that, so <laughs> and there was a, no budget for the bloodbath. So it's like he does it for no real reason. It kills a dude. So they're like breaking reality to for not even any good reason. That's just that explanation is so puzzling to me because it's like they couldn't afford squibs. I mean, probably like just blood and squibs and the makeup process and. There's there's a lot to it, and just think if you fire off squibs. You do have the blood everywhere, so then you got to clean that up if you need multiple takes, and so the yeah. reset is way longer. And I'm sure the shooting time on this was like, okay, you're three days behind schedule, and we haven't started. Pretty much. We haven't built Chucky yet. <laughs> there was such I'm a sorry. small amount of time between movies, I'm sure they just pulled Chucky up from the last set and went, nope, this one's fine, no adjustments or improvements needed. I like De Silva's uh, Kimmy Gibbler friend here who just pops in out of nowhere. Just in this one scene. <laughs> but is also a part of the Academy, which is weird. Technically, she's in the military. Yeah, but like a different wing, because they don't have to go out and get smoked like everyone else. They're not doing, you know, jumping jacks at midnight. She's in the motor pool. <laughs> I will say, during my week of basic training... uh. They made us go outside and do jumping jacks at one in the morning because someone fell asleep during fire watch. The deal was basically they would have us run PT and training drills and bullshit till 
eh, about 11 o'clock at night. And lights out was midnight. So you had an hour to like polish your shoes and make sure your uniform was in good shape for the next day. And then you're supposed to get five hours of sleep. You know, they woke you up at 5 a.m. But during that five-hour period, different people would be assigned to fire guard where you'd have to stand out in the hallway and make sure the building didn't burn down and you'd have to yell at everybody else to get up out of their beds if there was a fire because fire alarms don't exist. So anyway, someone fell asleep during that gap. So we all got woken up at one o'clock and we had to do drills for a couple hours. They sent us back to bed for like an hour and then woke us back up to do more drills. When we had to do ours, it was snowing. So we had to do a lot of push-ups out in the snow. And all I remember for that was it was like, one of the years where the Red Sox were actually good and one of the sergeants was a big Red Sox fan. He was bitching at us because this was preventing him from being able to pay any attention to baseball stats, which was also our fault. So we had to stay out even longer because he was upset about that fact. So I see those kids like out there running circles out in a little bit of rain. I'm like, I have no sympathy. No, stop emasculating, Chucky. I don't like it. Ah, it's for girls. The fact that his his line here is this means war. Ah, god damn it. Why? That ah, there's there's so many better lines you could put in there, right? <laughs> nope, military academy. This means war. Come on. God, that animatronic is just real, and it creeps me out. <laughs> they had it really down by this point. The, like the fingers move pretty well. They just like even like the eyebrows and stuff move pretty well. This they is the first computer controlled Chucky. Ooh, technically he's an AI. That's why the lip syncing actually matches up for the first time ever. <laughs> he's not just flapping his gums. Just oh, with his mouth wide <laughs> in the gate. That that's why his dialogue is mostly screaming. It's easier to sync. It's that legitimate experience of being alive that Chucky can't stand. Just, oh, God, no! Also, going back to that Crave interview uh, with Mancini, so in that interview, he talks about how a couple characters are miscast. Mostly Tyler and this dude, the general. Uh, Dakin Matthews as Colonel Cochran? Yes. The same. Um, He's supposed to be like a super uber macho, tough, like hard as nails, asshole, Arlie Ermy type. Instead, he's kind of just a grandpa here. Yeah. So the joke is like the super macho guy just dies of a heart attack because a doll scared him. Right. They they even like include that in the they they kept that from the script. Chucky basically does the oh come on, and it's so weird that the director apparently didn't see that was odd or just didn't decide to do anything with it well i think in terms of the miscasting i think a lot of it just came down to this person's available right now yeah i mean this character is fine i think if you don't try and push that joke of chucky going oh come on because the joke doesn't land when it's just this old teddy bear having a heart attack and dying He just looks like an old man who's going to die of a heart attack regardless of whether or not Chucky <laughs> Yeah. Plus, he really sells this heart attack. Like He falls over oh, three he sells times the through the glass. fucking balls off of it. Whoa, whoa, I'm so sweaty. But I it's just to destroy a possession while dying. <laughs> but it's just interesting to me how much thought Mance... Like, it proves Mancy did put a, like, a lot of thought into the use of the setting. 
which I do think like, makes the movie more like pushed into that tragedy realm. It's like, oh, this is actually is kind of completing an arc Mancini would continue to carry through with the other movies in regards to Chucky and masculinity mm-hmm. and Andy in the world of masculinity. Yeah, if you're going to tell that story, putting it in a military training camp is probably the perfect spot. You know, if you think of the epitome of sacrifice yourself and become the masculine ideal, this is where it happens. That's why we needed that goddamn army of Chuckies. That would have tied everything together. But it really tied the room together. We do get to see Chucky with, like, bandoliers and shit later, and that's pretty fucking awesome. (laughs) We also get the best haunted house ever. So, there's that. Also, everyone gets milk. (laughs) Wee, milk! Oh, Andrew Robertson is back in the movie. Why isn't this character just in every fucking scene? That's the strange thing. We talk about miscasting, but goddamn, Andrew Robinson is clearly having the most fun of anyone in the movie. (laughs) Like, he's just, he just loves being the haircut fetish creep. Oh, Robinson is just a Pete and Pete villain in this movie? Yes. Which I don't think fits at all, but it's so much fun to watch you don't care and you wish the rest of the film was on this wavelength. They say he was born in a barber shop. <laughs> That's why I love like man- finding out Mancini was very confused about like why he was super over the top. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how the subtle version of this character would have played at all. It would oh, have been very him. boring. I mean, this guy's broadcasting that he's going to get killed during a haircut scene. Like, you know it from the first time he's too into the haircut. Oh, yeah. But that's the fun part of the character. If he wasn't so into his job, it'd just be another murder to fill up screen time and get some blood in here. Yeah, well, this is back when Mancini really wanted Chucky to be the only over-the-top thing. Mm-hmm. Which worked wonders in the first film and the second film. I think they're just... I guess came out there's not really anything here, so... Robinson just wanted to have some fun. Let's make one of these characters memorable. Yeah. Okay, so is the most advanced thing in this movie Tyler having a Nintendo Switch in 1998? <laughs> yes. Isn't this why this is a sci-fi film? The biggest Game Gear I've ever seen. <laughs> uh, just, to, just to retract for a moment here. Andrew Robinson. Folks, if you're like me and you're watching the film and you're going, God damn it, why do I recognize that man? Uh, One... He's been doing TV work forever, so you've probably seen him in an episode or something or other. But, if you're a horror fan, it's one of two things. It's either Pumpkinhead 2, Blood Wings, or more likely, Frank from Hellraiser. I did not immediately connect those dots, and then once I saw it, I was like, oh, Christ, of course. Captain well, Haircuts. he was, he was the, he was Kirsty's father, and then Frank eventually oh, no. wore his skin in the third act. Yeah. So he that could Jesus wept. That was so he could Jesus the serial killer from Dirty Harry. Exactly. Oh, this is full. Uh, Frank was a mad dog who needed to be put down. Oh, yeah. Seeing bits like this, just imagine if this guy was thrown into Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. <laughs> He's the older brother of Chop Top. Like, he is bringing deep Toby Hooper energy to this film. 
<laughs> Toby Hooper energy. It does have a lot of Toby Hooper energy to it, for good and ill. Yeah. Also, I love yeah, these not... spooky trees out the window, apparently. <laughs> also, why? I've ne- I, okay, this always bothers me. Why are the inside of the cabinets lit? <laughs> bothers uh, me. I don't know to, why. To make, it, to make it easy, Mike, to find whatever he was looking for when he accidentally knocked Chucky out from that cabinet. Yeah, maybe I'm just jealous of his cabinets. Heading. It's a good a system. Nightmare. I wish I had it. God, I could imagine this character being like the next door neighbor in fucking uh, the people under the stairs. <laughs> like, it's actually a shame this specific character isn't in a lot of other horror movies. Oh, uh, yeah. You kind of just want him to show up at random places. Like, if we made a horror movie, we'd put this character in. He seems like a deleted scene from The Burbs. <laughs> yeah, he's super The Burbs. And so I love uh, Chucky's anxious face there. <laughs> oh, Not my shit. hair that I should be ditching in like two minutes if I ever get back to possessing Tyler. Oh god, that that's a fucking to be continued meme in an example expression. Also, Andrew Robinson's death face is awesome. He's having oh. he's having such a good time dying. Having a good time. Uh, and they got the animatronic Chucky to do like that weird sneer thing when he laughs. <laughs> yeah, I don't think the me- the face is ever more skeletal than it is in this movie. Yeah, it never really looked this good. I mean, and you know, Bride of Chucky's Chucky looked pretty fucking great, but this thing is just who <laughs> real. Yeah, also, maybe that's why I they toned it down every time that happened to me. <laughs> This doll is too close to being alive. I don't like it. Also, we just... the semester only just started and they're getting into war games. Literally, the semester <laughs> yeah, started yesterday. Think about that. Most they, Okay, let's, let's face it. In their first day, apparently, of being here, everyone knew how to do, like, left turn, like, about face and everything. Like, they knew the commands. They should be doing, like, parade marches for the next month. I don't understand how they're in, like, advanced tactics and survival. Well, it's weird. They they mix all of the new kids in with the people who are in, like, their fourth year. It's going to be like a South Park thing. They're going to take all the newbies and just tie them to the tanks as body armor. Also, it's, it's not explained, like, why is Tyler the only kid on his team? It doesn't seem fair. Once again, also, now you learn... painted that door. Yeah. If we learned anything, again, from Major Pain, kids eight and under do not get to go on Black Ops. <laughs> also, Them's why do war rules. games make the silver horny? Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, I know I shouldn't complain about this. We already talked about the guns, but still, like, these cadets just pick up their guns that are supposedly loaded and then just march to war. They don't even, like, load their own guns. They don't double-check that they're not filled with bullets. They're children, Cody. That's why you should be teaching them these things. Survival of the fittest. Here, take your gun. Assume you'll murder everyone. This is Hunter Safety 101. They're hunting humans with paint. With with paint? With bolt-action paintball guns? Like, it's weird. Like, the, the bolt is designed for bullets, not paintballs. So that's a whole different system. 
Also, how long did it take Chucky to load this gun with his tiny, tiny little doll hands? Like, he loads many of these guns, doesn't he? Like, the whole red team is packing real heat. Yeah. Yeah, this has been forever. And then he's got to collect all the, you know, the, the glue bullets and hide those. Man, uh, good thing he's that. a doll and he has, like, a better endurance than a real person. Oh, thank God, there, is, there are other children on the teams. Okay. <laughs> just enough to justify Tyler being there, which is what I love. Just two other ones. So, unfortunately, when I was looking up if there were bolt-action paintball guns online, because I was really curious, I'm like, they make fairly realistic, like, tactical-looking paintball guns nowadays. Why not? Maybe, maybe they could have realistic, like, Springfield paintball guns. They make airsoft guns that look incredibly, incredibly real. Why not? Uh, unfortunately, story of how you ended up talking to the FBI. Close. Uh, so the first thing I stumbled onto is an article on the website Vocative called War Games Inside the Hardcore World of Military Simulations, Severed Heads, Realistic Fun, and a 300-pound man wishing for Obama's death. Welcome to America's Next Big Sport. And the first paragraph of the article talks about one of the organizers for the war game that was about to be played saying that the Al-Qaeda team wants to get an Ebola-infected head to use as a weapon of mass destruction. Unfortunately, the head, the fake head they had, was not President Obama's. But a man can dream. This article came out in 2016. So there's just all sorts of dudes up in camo who are like, man, if only we could murder the president and then pretend to murder Al-Qaeda. So I got that far into the article where I'm like, nope, I think I've learned all I need to. So the question is still open if there are real bolt-action paintball guns. Okay, I'm glad we got to the like, bottom of that. I like how your whimsical question was just immediately answered with the reality. The, yeah. the truth of war, Cody. The thing is, paintball fun. Paintball fights are fun. Uh, I didn't know I had to hate those now. <laughs> So the well, war games are stopping for everyone to tell ghost stories. This is a weird fucking... They're just camping. That's Mike, no, this is how war games work. Don't you remember Dog Soldiers? Oh, yeah. This is, this is essentially the same thing that happens to Dog Soldiers. They sit around, they tell some spooky stuff. Uh, this one, unfortunately, does not have a story about a soldier getting blown up and leaving the tattoo of Satan on his ass un unharmed. But They were adults, though. That was different. True. That was, that was different. Come on, Andy, get laid. <laughs> That's a weird tagline for this movie. Oh, it does sum it up pretty well, though. Wasn't it? That was the title. That, I get uh, confused with uh, it being the subtitle of the movie, but it's just the title of the novelization. Yeah, I think it's the title of the second novelization based on this, actually. I think there was a reprint. <laughs> yeah, I think whenever like, it got caught up with the like UK tabloids with like the James Bulger murder, they that's where that started spreading. Because like, you look at a lot of those articles, it's referred to as Child's Play 3, Look Who's Stalking. Yeah. It just adds up another <laughs> level of surrealness. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, just cliff notes for anybody who's not familiar 
with that story. Uh, some kids in the UK killed a dude, and people thought they did it because of this movie, but they didn't. <laughs> That's a nice short version of it. And if you want to put that on um, the IMDb trivia page, I'm pretty sure eight <laughs> other people haven't done that already over and over again, so you may want to do that yourself. Oof. Oh, the IMDb trivia page for Child's Play 3 is a goddamn doozy. Do you have that up? Do you want to share a few of those with us? Do I? Please! Also, please also, I just want to, just for movie logic thing, um, you know... Chucky's out there going to kill a child, and Nanny's just like, I got, I got laid. <laughs> I got to see a carnival from far away with a pretty girl. Andy's a very strange character in this film. Everything's coming up, Andy. Goddamn Jimmy Olsen. <laughs> Your Superman's evil. <laughs> Snails died for nothing. All of this is unfortunately true. Okay, here's some uh, Child's Play 3 IMDb trivia. Lay it on us. Colonel Cochran wore a wedding wing, indicating that he is either married, divorced, or a widower. Are you Elmer fighting us? De Silva, Andy's love interest is the third female supporting character in the franchise after Karen Barclay and Kyle, respectively. I'm learning so much. The movie was actually filmed at Kemper Military School and Junior College in Boonville, Missouri. The movie called The School Kent. The school is now closed down. Oh. Well, that's an actual trivia fact. Yeah, that one's, that's, at least they put real trivia that time. Yeah, also, also, I feel like Jamie's voice is offensive towards John Merrick, the elephant man. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if you know this. She Um, is not an animal. I don't know if you know this, but uh, the elephant man died because... He wanted to. He wanted to sleep like like laying down like a normie, like a normal person, and she he died that way because he he tried to try to sleep like a normal person. That's how. Yeah. Because yeah. he saw a painting of a little girl sleeping and thought, "Why not me?" So I went to Austin in October, and I went to the Museum of the Weird, where they had a small section on the Elephant Man, and I was there with a friend who didn't know anything about him, so she was learning all of this. As the video is playing, she's like, this is such a sad story. And then they got sadder by explaining how he died trying to be like a normal man. <laughs> and boy, that puts a damper on the whole tour when you start off with, let's talk about the elephant man and how sad life is. God, you know what would be like a really decadent thing to do? Having sex on the elephant man's bones. His body was a wonderland. It'd be roomy, too, because, well, I guess kind of bumpy. Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm just distracted by imagining John Marising your body is a wonderland, but the music video is just shots of the Elephant Man, like, lovingly close in the camera, just going over his curves. Still made by David Lynch. Elephant Man. <laughs> so, uh, one more. <clears throat> Hit us. 
Colonel Cochrane's names sound similar too, comma. Colonel Cochrane from Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, 1982. <laughs> That's nearly trivia. <laughs> I think the next one's going to be Colonel Cochrane is a man, much like Captain John Luke Picard. <laughs> the two could possibly. Baldness. Yeah, the two could possibly be in the same timeline. So going back to the idea of not having enough money to show these kids murdering each other, isn't that uh, just, had the movie done that, instant classic. Like, can you name oh, yeah. any other horror movie that just involves two groups of kids unloading on each other with real bullets and accidentally just a full-on massacre? It oh, is horrifying to watch. etched into history. Oh, it'd be like immediately X-rated if like 15 kids just immediately got headshots. It's 1991, so you'd be able to get away with that. Yeah, instead we get one kid shot, and it's more of a whimper than a bang. It's a lot of setup for nothing. Yeah. Also, if you notice, you know, Andy's not really in the movie very much. Side characters aren't really in the movie that much. Chucky is not really in the movie that much. Who is in the movie? Like, no one seems like they're actually in that many scenes. No, it's so, it's so fucking weird. There's no, like, everyone's shortchanged and no one's in the actual film. I don't know how you pull that off. It's almost impressive, like, how fucked up it is. We need to, like, go back and do minute counts of all the characters to figure out where exactly the time goes. It's like you're watching a TV show where Child's Play 3 is the subplot. They occasionally <laughs> Yeah. Oh, so that is Chucky holding a grenade. This, well, the they have, they have a grenade at this grand. military academy because they occasionally need to accidentally murder people. <laughs> it's so they have something that uh, the less noble recruits have the opportunity to jump onto to prove their mettle. <laughs> Sapuku! So in, in, I think, any other movie, this is the finale, right? Like, the whole movie takes place at a military academy. The end thing is going to be them duking it out on the field of battle. The war game is essentially the finale. But oh, there's yeah. 20 minutes left of this film? And we don't end here, which is why they introduced that circus a couple scenes back. Because we, we have to go spend the rest of the film in a haunted house. An awesome haunted house, though, at least. Look, haunted houses make perfect sense for 90% of horror movies. I love a good carnival haunted house. Especially for a horror setting. Like, it just makes perfect sense. Oh, especially this one. This one has absolutely the best haunted house ever made. But it feels like such a mismatch, because again, they went to all the trouble of introducing this military academy, and then they went, now nah, let's get out of there, carnival time. I think Mancini uh, even said, like, it was just there for just a change of scenery. Pretty much. Yeah, it's, it. it's neat, and again, they still have 20 minutes to go, and I'm pretty sure all the shit that's going down right now is not going to last, you know, more than five minutes. So they pretty much had to find another way out, and I guess if they spent the rest of that time in the woods, it'd be very silly. But it would yeah. be so cheap, Cody. It'd and be I very think there was supposed to be, like, kind of a joke about, like, I don't even know if it's actually a joke, but just 
uh, you know, Chucky being surrounded by animatronics. Mm-hmm. Except no, he's I think in any other child's play, the carnival makes a lot of sense for Chucky. Oh, yeah. It's just seemingly from a completely different screenplay. Yeah. No, Sergeant Niedermeyer. Oh, no. Oh, the no. character we don't like. Goodbye. Chucky laughing. Thank God he's the only one killed here. <laughs> That'd be great if everyone was like, okay, you get that one, Chucky. Chucky's having such a good time. Man, Our these paintballs are killer. Any of violence he's set into play. Chekhov's hand grenade here taking forever to get put on the table. And then Chucky just gets pushed into a fan later. Spoilers, Mike. Spoilers. Oh, I'm sorry. Can we just get to Chucky with half his face ripped off? That's what I'm waiting for. Yeah, That's we gotta, my we gotta go Chucky. We gotta, you've gotta wait for a kid to jump on the grenade. So, uh, oh, or Eddie Deason has to die historic. <laughs> so again, back when I was in that military camp, there was one kid who really reminded me of uh, this character. Uh, I forget what his full name was because they just nicknamed him Ski, and they would just constantly yell at Ski like he was in trouble for anything that went wrong, even if he wasn't near the scene of the crime. So you would always see Ski, no matter what time of day just doing PT. Like, he'd be on the ground doing the dying cockroach exercise. You wouldn't even know what had gone wrong, but you just assume somewhere he was off doing push-ups because he'd fucked up somehow. <sighs> In real life, he would not have jumped on that grenade. He would have been like, no, you fuckers, you put me through so much, you can all die. Now's my revenge. Yeah, you know, Eddie Deason is is the best of us. It's also really weird that an incredibly realistic jumping on grenade scene happens in the middle of Child's Play Three. Like that was yeah. brutal looking, and it's in this movie. There's a big dramatic sacrifice, and that again it goes to a character we don't care about. Okay, he's one with the Deason force now. All of his energy is going into Millhouse. <laughs> what if he'd survived and they just like repeated 1941 <laughs> like he's at this carnival having the exact same scenes I like how we're just walking into like other movies are apparently happening at characters in this carnival oh we're in the blob <laughs> remake right now <laughs> are you afraid the dark is off to the side this cop actually just uh, battled a uh, a shark. The a new kids, while actually. Ago he was facing the new kids. You can't tell me that in the 90s, anytime there's a carnival like this, there weren't four different horror movies all filming on it at the same time. <laughs> uh, also, status update on my drink. I still don't like coffee. It did not, I did not win, get won over by co- coffee throughout this entire commentary. I'm very sad. I could go for some coffee right now. Ugh. Why does this dude... Why does this dude blow up the balloons in his security office? I don't know. I t- he's a, he's a, a fun a security guard. impersonating a, a, a cop. I, I don't know. He's actually the carnival barker in disguise. Can we Stranger Things so the uh, season 3 is happening right now, by the way. Oh, yeah. It's off to the side. 
Russian guy, no. We <laughs> loved you. Security lost and found, and free the balloons, little boy. We got it? Oh. I, I just feel like somebody should be pursuing a hitman in this crowd. Like synth score plays. Yeah. Look, he went to the Hall of Mirrors. I mean, could you imagine a different version of this third act if, if they had time to develop where it's the full War Games team, each with guns, battling, like, each with guns, with full ammo after a bloodbath, in a fucking carnival, waging war against an army of Chuckies? Wait, now we're putting the carnival in with the War Games? Yeah, because like that would be amazing boy, if they, like... If they went down there and, like, the crowd dispersed, so you're just in a carnival area, but it's turned into a war zone against Chuckies and military kids. Like, cotton candy and shit everywhere. Like, yeah. I've spent a lot of my life trying to think of the best places for paintball battles that'll never happen. My high school is number one. But, boy, just imagine if you had the run of a carnival and everyone had paintball guns. Like, there's kids on the Ferris wheel just shooting paintballs at each other. You're in the Gravitron trying to figure out how the fuck your paintballs are going to get across that thing. Can we put this together? Can we Can we do this? I don't think we have the money to just buy out a car. Can we get the money? Search. Can we get the can money? Get... You can always get the money. Folks at home, hey, give us money there. so we can do this just for ourselves. You tell, although everyone at home has imagined this, I think, at some point. Wouldn't it be super awesome if your high school was just evacuated and you got to turn it into a paintball rally? I think about that a lot. Uh, I'm my sorry, I'm lost always... in this house. This is a very cool haunted house. Uh, this is the haunted house they have at Halloween Horror Nights, isn't it? Farther Chucky attraction? Um, I don't know. I refuse to believe they would recreate anything from this. I mean, they did some Child's Play stuff recently. Yeah. It makes sense they just do a big old scary haunted house. Like how this is the movie we go like super negative on for a bop and a tragedy. <laughs> Even there's still a lot of stuff in here I like. Like I like this third act a lot. The the actual chase sequence inside the haunted house is fantastic. I really enjoy all of this. Yeah, like the set design, everything. It's beautiful. It doesn't mesh with anything from before. No, I think that's why. But it again, works. we've covered that, and yeah. if you can make peace with it, then you're gonna have fun. Pretty much. It is what it is. It's just such a it's such uh, an interesting look compared to all the drab military stuff. And it's got to be hard making the woods like that pop because you're just a bunch of kids wearing camo. You're in a bunch of like standard bog trees and stuff. This set you can design to be as cool as you want. You can go crazy with the lighting. You can put fog everywhere. It's not really fair. In, in comparison, this scene is always going to grab more of your attention than the military stuff. Yeah, there's just more stuff they can do. Also, yes, uh, Chucky's Maze is a recreation of uh, this. Like, it's one of the levels uh, of the Chucky attraction. Oh, that is how great amazing. this third act is. Look at Andy. Well, they could do, this, they could do like the insane asylum. From uh, the the last Chucky, like imagine you're in the asylum from Cult of Chucky. That could work. Yeah. <laughs> I really like these devilfish carts they have to ride around on. 
Like, I mean that sincerely. I don't quite understand how they mesh with anything else in a haunted house, but I don't know if there's any thematic connection between anything in a haunted house. Well, let's not even get started on the fact this scythe is real. (laughs) They're in the haunted house from, like, fucking fun house. We should really keep a, um, accountant every time Chucky screams. Ah! You You take a coffee shot. Yes! (laughs) Yes! <laughs> fucking finally! Alright, this is amazing. Just as good as that animatronic was, and now they have to do it with half a face, and all the muscles and tendons and gore applied behind it, you can see most of the eyeball. Ooh, that works. Goddamn Oscar, Oscar fucking worthy effect. Child's Play works best when they can somehow mesh some body horror into Chucky's situation. Like yeah. the horror of a human being and a doll meshed together. Because it's so ooky and weird. You can it's it's smell vision. Like I can smell how nasty that bloody plastic thing is. There's I really gross about Chucky's always the best one. Yeah, there, there's something just ugh, about plastic and gore bits like mixed together. <laughs> Look at his legs go. <laughs> the volcano <laughs> whoop, 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 whoop. <laughs> I really they built that now we're gone oh no drops into the volcano credits see this shit is fucking memorable to me like this is like the third act from a Chucky movie I've always remembered since I was a kid because it's just so epic until he just gets shot and falls into a fan but it's like they're in like this weird wonderland version of hell because it's at a fucking circus. It's great. Well, look at there's so many things to dance around. The set pieces are wonderful. There's the train tracks you got to watch out for. There's Chucky himself. There's a volcano, a giant bird that can pick you up, a real scythe that could just slice off half your face. The ah, there there's a lot of neat interactive stuff inherent in this set that makes it so much fun. There's a lot of environment to pay attention to, and whew, if you can just ignore everything but the last 20 minutes of Child's Play I, 3, I think you, you can have fun. Well, then this this entire, like, set is, it's Chucky, it's like a Chucky Logic sh- set. Like, the, um... Like yeah, there's, like, no gates on the fans. <laughs> like, the site yeah, is a real it's site. Like, it, it's like the factory from Child's Play 2, where it's this weird, like, Willy Wonka version of like a factory where it all looks like it's designed like a giant playground. <laughs> and there's only like one security guy. The entire operation for Good Guy Productions is just one security guy. Just tubes everywhere injecting flesh into these little doll forms. We really do not talk enough about Chucky's ability to call forth giant storms with his voodoo. Just think, in another life, he could have been a great weatherman. Gandhi loses the fucking arm. <laughs> now we get the dedication. They're like, oh, right, I gotta finish this spell. Arm or no arm. <laughs> See, what Chucky doesn't realize, if he if he did transfer to the other body, wouldn't be able to move that arm. That part <laughs> of his soul is gone forever. Forever. So right here, again, it's the completion of several pieces that feel like arcs. He, he's gone in to become the protector. Andy has mastered his shaky hands and has used the gun. Shaky's gun the West. 
I mean, I guess if you want to talk phallic imagery, I guess he's mastered his penis. He got laid earlier, so it, it tracks, I guess. Hand that knife! This knife, which has importance if you count a deleted scene. <laughs> I do not. What was in the deleted scene, Mike? Tyler gives originally gives the knife to uh, to Andy on the bus, and then Andy gives it back to him to protect him from Chucky. Ah. Yeah, that would have been nice. The movie's not even that long. I don't think like a minute-long scene would kill us. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why they were like, we need to cut this fucking thing down. It's just, it's too long. At an hour and like, 31 minutes. Yeah, and it moves pretty fast. I think they have a character moment or two they could spare. Jesus Christ. Also, rag, lifeless ragdoll Chucky falling down for a shot is the funniest thing in the world. <laughs> <laughs> this horrible fan that just turns him into a meat pinata. You have mastered the aggro crag. You have proven that you do have guts. <laughs> Deep cut. And then the movie just ends. I mean, we've seen that Chucky is a mega Terminator, so it makes sense they have to keep upping the ways he explodes at the end. I just love how unenthusiastic this ending is. People go home. Credits. Andy goes to jail. No final shot of Chucky. Just, well, that was the movie, guys. Well, it really feels like the guy picking up trash should, like, get a giant, you know, Chucky finger or some sort of bit of Chucky when he's picking yeah. it up, right? He smokes Chucky. It almost feels like that was filmed and they just didn't include it. Like, it's, like, why why are we watching a trash guy collect trash? Well, I mean, this is the classic end movie shot. You know, the crane moves up, we get the big overhead shot of the entire place. It just feels you, weird that we don't get a hint of more Chucky. And also, our hero is forcibly tossed into the back of a police car and dri- driven off. <laughs> and disappears from the franchise for a protect. Yeah, speaking of monster crime, it feels like he's going to jail forever if you just watch this movie and stop. I, I feel like as soon as those credits roll, like really upbeat music should start playing and Don Mancini should walk out and be like, uh, yeah, that is the Kickstarter trailer for Child's Play 3. This is what we're looking to make happen with your help. Guys, we missed it. Dick Warlock. I did not know Dick Warlock had anything to do with us. That's Neither did awesome. I. He was stunt coordinator. There, found a fun fact. <laughs> a hey, hey, fun add fact. it to your list. <laughs> Again, unfortunately, we, we did spend an hour and a half kind of ragging on the film. But let's recap some of those cool things here. We got to see an amazing set of animatronics for Chucky, especially at the end when he had his half-severed face. That's a great image. Like, fuck, slap that on the cover of your DVD and you got a sale. The haunted house is such a wonderful bit of set design. It, it does erase some of the bitter taste of all of the drab shit that comes beforehand. Yeah. It's cool seeing uh, Don Mancini flex his muscles a little bit and uh, try uh, as shallow as the stuff is in the finished movie, like trying to do something a little deeper with Chucky and what he's all about. Yeah. Getting more comfortable and putting queer subtext into his films. 
we uh, got the haircut hard on. Like, goddamn, that's that's a fun scene where the guy's like, everyone's got to get their hair snipped. Woo! <laughs> that sounds so whimsical. <laughs> he was very whimsical. I have a lot of fun with with um, Child's Play Three still. It's got a pretty boring middle, but you can still watch it. It's, it's not it's not really long enough for you to get bored. It That's makes the thing. A double feature with two. This is what I consider the low point in the series. I know a lot of people don't care for Seed of Chucky, but at least that one's more interesting. There's more going on, and yeah. When we think about a franchise that's been going since like '88. For this to be the worst entry is honestly amazing because it's not, I would say, terrible. This is no. just kind of blase. There yeah. are so many other horror franchises where there's an entry everyone realizes just outright god awful. Well, compare this to like deep, uh, to like Dream Child, Leprechaun in Space. Like this how, is how, the uh, worst the Child's the Play of... franchise could offer. Like, and this was thrown together in like. A month? Yeah. No time. <laughs> Considering the restraints, it's impressive what they did. Uh, I want to backtrack. What's the temperature of the room on uh, the Friday the 13th where Jason is just soul-swapping? Uh, I'm not a huge Great fan. Dukes is cool. Because I kind of feel like if I had to choose between that movie and this movie... Uh, I'd pick this. That one's... Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd probably pick this. For low points, I think Friday the 13th has had it worse. Jason Go to yeah. Hell is nearly unwatchable. Like, Creighton Dukes is cool. That's literally all the movie offers. <laughs> Creighton Dukes is cool. Minutes. Third act's pretty pretty awesome. Um, it is hilarious to watch a SWAT team blow Jason away. Beginning's pretty <laughs> awesome, yeah. With extreme prejudice, like they blow him up with grenades and rocket launchers and shotguns. <laughs> I wish that had been the entire movie. Like, that's just how it ends. That's the Paul Verhoeven cut. I respect people who like Jason Goes to Hell. I, I do not like Jason Goes to Hell. Great poster. Got that. I remember that poster being in video stores as a kid and just being transfixed. Like, I hadn't seen any Friday the 13th, but that poster just sold an entire Oh, yeah. Universe. Video store favorite, that fucking cover. Also, Jason looks really fucking cool in that movie. <laughs> I love how his, like, skin began growing over the mask. Like, that's such a cool look. Man, there's so many horror movies I knew as a kid without having seen just because the posters were favorites like I, I feel a little bummed out that I wasn't old enough in the early 90s to be able to go in the VHS store and like witness everyone else getting excited about them I just had to be the little scared kid when they had that shit out <sighs> oh well or the poster for uh, Blair Witch 2 Book of Shadows was kind of scary looking I never saw that one as a kid like I didn't see that poster around for some reason that must not have been a hit in uh, central Wisconsin or anywhere, but it was hanging up at my uh, my blockbuster for some reason. Uh, hey, if we're talking was... about the all time great VHS box arts, I feel like we've got to give praise to Evil Dead Two, Dead by Dawn, with that skeleton bro just oh, peeking so out good. from under the other movies. Hey, how you doing, kid? Don't you uh, want your mom and dad to rent me? Hey, it's it's a fucking party zombie from Return of the Living Dead <laughs> making a cameo to pimp other movies. He became a spokesperson for a little while. Hey, kids, don't you want a party? Hatchy chachi. No, party I need time. the best skeleton cover. Uh, Creep Show. There's one video Ooh. store yeah. that had the Creep Show poster up, and I just remember being like terrified of that poster as a little kid walking into the video store. Like no desire whatsoever to get Creep Show. 
I didn't know what it was. There was just a scary skeleton man taking movie tickets. I'm like, I don't like this. That was the first thing you saw. Dad being scared? Huh? (laughs) Creepshow 2. Creepshow 2, great fucking poster. And once again, I think that's a cameo by Barty Zombie on it. (laughs) Because I don't consider that to uh, to be the creep. So... He has two eyes, not the creep. <laughs> he could have taken somebody else's. No, like, I get, it makes the, that version of the creep, like in Creepshow 2, cool, and it's still Creepshow 2. And thanks for a ride, lady, can only take me so far. I still cannot support such things. Uh, I like the raft. Okay, you got me there, but still, th- thanks for the ride, lady. The raft loses me whenever the brownie shows up. Yeah, yeah. What we're saying here is there's always farther a franchise can be. Yes, yes. Let, let Child's Play 3 serve as a reminder of how you can still keep your shit together with the low point of a franchise. And the other ones don't have an excuse. So there. Anyways, folks, if you've enjoyed this podcast, there's plenty more Box Office Pulp out there. You can find us on boxofficepulp.com. You can find us on Facebook, iTunes, Stitcher, uh, we have a Box Office Pulp Twitter, at Box Office Pulp. Surprise. Check it out. We do plenty of other commentaries and real episodes focusing on different films that aren't five hours long. Maybe. Yeah. No, I, I, this is like professionally where I leave a gap so you can promote your shit. You're supposed to, you're supposed to get on this and jump into shit. Come on, man. Come on. And then I just blow my fucking brains out just, right here. <sighs> that was Mike. He doesn't have stuff anymore. He's too dead to do it. He's too dead to promote. Um, <laughs> HorrorMoviesHub.com. I write shit on there. <laughs> Enjoy it. Go there. Read things. Uh, Final Girl Productions on YouTube, which is the YouTube channel for Horror Movies Hub, uh, where you can watch Rachel Rock's horror or adult film star Rachel Rock's. Uh, watch things like Psycho. Some other sh- All kinds of fucking horror movies. I don't know what you want from me, person who <laughs> I'm trying to get to go to this content. And I don't know why we're having this fucking like relationship back and forth. (laughs) But uh, I'm not. I'm just. I'm too hostile to promote things. I'm sorry. Just do that. (laughs) Please listen to Mike's material, or he'll yell at me like he's yelling at you. (laughs) And speaking of YouTube, you guys can check out my new YouTube show, Comic Macabre a spotlight on strange and ridiculous artifacts from the worlds of horror and comic books. Uh, you can check that out uh, at uh, Marlena Morlock and check out the official Twitter at Comic Macabre. Why didn't we just have Jamie just do all the promotion for all of our stuff? That, that would have made a lot more sense and less people would have been yelled at. Thank you very much for watching Box Office Pulp. That's a wrap. Get the hell out of here. God, I've got so much of this shitty coffee drink left. Oh, there's a big chunk of guava fruit in that one. You get more out of life when you go out to a movie. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. Uh, it's 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 just... Uh, if the coffee wasn't in there, I think I'd really enjoy this. Also, the hot honey is just fucking me up. I love how you keep putting, like, the incorrect ingredients that are so awfully wrong. Like, when you did the powdered sugar. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was a mistake. Um, Jesus Christ, man. Stay on book. I, I think, I think, I think, I think.
if the coffee wasn't in here, the hot honey would be all right. Like, it'd be an interesting kick to go with all the sweet stuff. How many stuff times are you going to say, if the coffee wasn't in here? If the coffee wasn't in totally here. I know. I know. I fucked up. This is Box Office Pulp Guy, and this has been a Pulp Podcast production. Now please, 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 put a gun in my mouth and pull the trigger and say goodnight. And now, on with the show.